0: Welcome to the show Terry. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, I really appreciate you. Can you give our audience a little bit of insight as to to who you are and 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 what you what you're all about?
1: Sure, James, and thanks for having me. Um I'm a licensed psychotherapist. I'm a relationship expert. I'm also the author of a pretty new book called Boundary Boss: The Essential Guide to Talk True, Be Seen, and Finally Live Free. And um, I have a lot of online courses and I've got a big YouTube channel where I'm really um, interested in helping people up-level the joy in their life and lessen the suffering in any area. And I think that boundaries and healthy love have a tendency to do that.
0: Yeah, I love that. I would love to know what got you to this point of doing, doing what you're doing, but also in this way. Because there's a big difference between being an expert – at something and, and like, I'm a health professional. So, you know, doing the clinical thing and then Mm -hmm. becoming an authority where you're recognized for what you're doing. uh, And it's, and it's at a larger scale. Um, So Mm -hmm. talk to us about that. What got you to this point and then also allowed you to transition into the, the social media world, the courses world, that kind of thing.
1: Well, part of it was just my ambition and my Dharma, right? My purpose was to reach as many people as I could with what I knew was transformative stuff that if someone just had a good coach just just had a good guide, just had someone who could be like hey maybe this would be a great place to start that thing that you want to change and so I knew that I couldn't just stay in a one-on-one practice because even though I did it for a long time I mean I've been in the trenches for two and a half decades but then one of my friends who was um she she actually became public because she wrote a book. Her name is Chris Carr. I don't know if you know Chris. Crazy Sexy Cancer was a book that she wrote many years ago, but we were friends and part of it was she was going to be on Oprah. So this was, she was like, you have to be the crazy sexy life coach on my site. I'm like, well, okay. So that wasn't, I didn't even have a website at that point. That was 2008, I believe. She's like, but you have to have a website before the Oprah thing goes live. And that didn't two weeks. I was like, oh my God. So I had my first most awful website in 2008. I never added, I had no idea, no no clue. Um, Because when you're a psychotherapist, right, it can be very counterintuitive. And I think you as well, anyone who is of service in what they're doing, we're usually not the focus, right? Especially as, as a psychotherapist, it's not about me, it's about the client, it's about you, it's about someone else. And so, once I started becoming more public, so that was like 2009, 2010, I don't think I had a decent website. I definitely didn't until 2011. And that's when I really started putting consistent work out into the world. So weekly videos, and I've been doing that forever. And I also have had my podcast since 2015. So I've been doing a weekly podcast for, it'll be six years in September. So I learned along the way, and I had a full practice for a lot of those early years. I still had a zillion clients while I was doing this on the side because I hadn't thought about really making money in the online world or in in a virtual way. I really just wanted to get the work out there so that people who could never have afforded to see me as a therapist could still benefit in some way, which is why I've had a YouTube channel for so long as well. And I can't tell you how many people in very impoverished places say, this is like having my own therapist. I'm like, great, that was my plan. And then I I took actually B-School with Marie Forleo, who's a friend of mine for many, many years. I don't know if you know Marie, and maybe you guys don't, but she's, it's like an online marketing course And I thought, I'm not sure how this is going to apply to me as a therapist, but I need to learn how to market what I'm doing if I want to reach more people. And that was very painful to take that course because I realized just how very bad, how I thought marketing was like a dirty word. I didn't know how I was going to be able to market myself and market. I started uh, doing small courses back then, like um, more of like groups, like group coaching, it wasn't even courses. And I was like, well, how am I gonna speak to the pain points that people have that would inspire them to want to be in this group? Cause I know I can help without abusing them, without amplifying. you know, it was like this, It was it was very difficult for me to figure it out. So what I ended up doing is I ended up doing all this research because my social media presence was growing. And I had all of these people who were like, what you're saying is helping me. What I'm learning from you is helping me. And I was like, okay, then I want to keep doing that. But I was like, but what do you guys really need? Like, what are really your pain points? We did a massive survey. And that is what helped me decide what to do the bigger courses on. So I chose to do a course. I beta tested it with 54 women and that was my, called Rare Love Revolution. That was, I think, in 2015. And then I took all of their feedback. So surveyed them before, surveyed after. And I doubled the length of the course from their feedback. Like I completely changed the course where they were like, it's amazing and we need more time. I still transformed my life, my relationship. I thought it was getting a divorce. I'm not going to like the stories that came out of that. Experience made me know, because listen, as a psychotherapist, I knew that what I do works when it's just you and me in a room, but I didn't know, would it work if it was me and 50 women on Zoom or in a virtual experience? How would that work? How would the community aspect of it work? And what I learned is that it worked just as well and in some ways almost better because the community aspect was just so... Definitely. profound where I really taught. And, and at that point I was only, um, I only was allowing women in my courses. I now allow everyone in my courses, but I was teaching them also how to interact with each other. So it wasn't just, what are you learning about? Because what I found is that people who are over-functioning and type A and anxious about other people's anxiety would be endlessly giving advice to each other. And I was like, yeah, no. we're not doing that in here. And so I came up with these really um, pretty strict rules of engagement. And that is something that transformed so many lives. Just that, where they realized that I was like, hey man, you you could be a therapist, a PhD, a master coach. But when you're here, I'm the only therapist. I'm the only coach because I have you. And this is what you're doing in your life. It's not just what you're doing in this course. You're never keeping your eyes on your own paper. You're codependently attached to all these other people. You are an auto-advice giver. You are an, you know, an auto-accommodator, an instant fixer of other people. But in the end, your life is going unfixed, un, unhandled because you're so busy handling others. So anyway, that was a long way around the barn to get back to. I did the same thing with the next course. And actually I did it backwards. You know how normal people would be like, hey, I'm going to offer a $30 course, yay. I just offered a $1,000 course. Like that's actually out of the gate, not knowing that that's not how you normally do it. Well,
0: I, <laughs> that, I, in my opinion, that is how you do it. That's what I teach my... See, I work with health professionals to grow their businesses. And when when they're running launching programs and things like that, that's what I tell them to do because... Uh, for what you've probably found out through doing that, it works better, ironically, in my opinion, but yeah.
1: No, that's so interesting, James, because you know, everyone was like, why did you do that? I was like, I don't know, because it's what the course was worth, or one-fourth of what the course was worth, because I poured my heart and soul into it. I also just assumed that, and, and as long as I was doing a payment plan, I figured, and of course, if someone came and said they couldn't afford, then I would try to work something out, You know, whatever, I mean, you, you work it out, but... I sold in that, that was my first time out, and I had 350 people take that course. And I was like, wow, should have offered courses about 10 years ago. (laughs) Why didn't I think of this? But that was the beginning. And of course, really, my team and I really mastered the art since then, every single year. So I never just make a course. I make a course, and every single year, I update the course, Every single year, I do surveys with the people who are taking it. What would make it better? I make sure the surveys are anonymous. You know why? Because my people love me. They don't want to criticize me. When it, Before it was anonymous, they were so, so much trepidation to give honest feedback. Even though I say, listen, you guys are doing me a favor This is amazing. I want to know. I actually want to know like for real because I will make those changes. So then I took care of that by making it anonymous. And that is how I've built everything that I've built. And I have many courses now, not not just two signature courses. I have two big courses, but I partnered with Mark Groves. I have a crushing communication course with him. I have a mother wound course. I have a no-no narc course about dealing with narcissists. (laughs) So yeah, that that's kind of the process of how it went from solo practitioner to doing this, and now I don't really have a private practice. I have a few high-profile clients, one in particular, um, and one corporate high-profile client. That, but I'm not that interested in doing that because I'm I've done it for so long, and I love that I get to reach. I mean, I've had people from 210 countries around the world, take my courses. And that's, that's literally my, my life's work. That's my heart's desire mm-hmm. is to reach as many people as I possibly can. You know?
0: I, I, I love this. So this is so in my wheelhouse. Like, I don't know if you even know this, but my whole thing is helping expert house professionals who are amazing at what they do. They get results of their clients, but to help them to grow a business that is functional so that they can then serve their purpose. Because the the mission of a business is to make money by helping people. You're in healthcare to help people. You're not going to be able to help people if your business isn't working well. You can't give your heart and soul and work with three clients because the amount of impact that you're leaving on the table is huge. So the natural transition is, well, how do I create leverage for myself? And especially in the industry that you're in, it leans so well into the online space, obviously, um, Mm -hmm. because there are so many people who need it. And there's so many people who, who don't know. First, there's, you know, there's, there's things you don't know. There's things you know you don't know, et cetera. And I think that when we <laughs> get our message out there, it helps people to stumble across stuff and then go down the rabbit hole and then make better decisions for themselves. And and your yep. marketing is going to influence far more people than your products ever can just by sheer numbers that it also leads people into the programs. And if you do a good job with it, you can make mass amounts of change. And... And I I love that because I spend all day trying to push people to do exactly what you've done, which is uh, uh, incredible.
1: That's so, it's so amazing. I love that that's what you're doing. Let's talk a little bit about, because I think that, wow, this is, what you do is exactly what I figured out how to do. And I'm sure you're helping people figure it out too. But one thing that was so, um, created so much conflict internally for me was how to... Not feel like I was doing anything that was gross, that I was squeezed pages and trampling on pain points and over promising, right? Like how people would be like, take this course and you're going to be good. You know, you're not though, PS. Like you're going to maybe have more skills. So finding that middle line, because if you're just talking about marketing, but you're selling like widgets, It's so different. You do not have the moral imperative. The, for me, it must be aligned with my integrity. And I fired many people who didn't care because here's the thing, there's nothing I care more about than my work being aligned with my values. So even though I've had many offers, we don't have to get into it, to do many different things. That's why I've never had advertising on my podcast that's six years old. I, I have probably 90,000 to 100,000 downloads a month on my podcast. People are always like, you could be making bank. I'm like, well, what am I going to have, a, an ad for Topperson? Like I'm not because I'm not doing an ad for anything I wouldn't actually use. I don't want to do it that way. I'd rather work harder. Mm. So people listen to the podcast and they're like, that's awesome. I barely even promote my own stuff on my podcast, which I've got to get better at because doing my own commercials is okay (laughs) because I stand behind the work that I do. But from the beginning, this was um, the idea, the thought, it was going to be this slow launch strategy. So I was always giving away things weekly. But the whole notion is give value for free. Don't trick people into things. Give value. If if your heart is in the right place, then then put your money where your mouth is and give value for free. So what I do still every single week is I put out a podcast which is also a YouTube video and with that there's a downloadable guide and yes, people have to opt in to get the guide. Correct. It's free. And if you don't want to put your email address in, then you're not getting the guide. So, so there is something because you have to build your, this is me building my mailing list. And if you like it, then you won't mind being on my list. You know, But the, the thing is, make sure that what you're giving, of course, is your original work, duh, but is something that will add value. And so what I started doing was doing these longer um, YouTube videos. I didn't believe the person who was telling me that people wanted longer videos. And I was like, but do they? Is it just me who has no attention span? Like, do they? And the numbers say they do. We have about 90,000 subscribers on the YouTube channel at this point, And a super active. Like, people are, and I go out of my way to every single week. I build in time to read what people say to respond same thing with social media I'm not just on social media putting stuff out there I'm answering people's questions like that's built into my work week is interacting because these are people right to me they're not just dollar signs and many of them will never give me a dime and I love them just the same and I'm committed to their health and their evolution literally the same like, I want the same for them, whether they can afford it or not. I give away a ton of scholarships as well to every single thing that I do. If someone is really passionate, I will find a way to, I will just give them the course. Because I can. And because that is aligned with what I'm doing and what I care about. So when people are like, well, how do you promote it? I'm like, have a long runway. Build trust. Keep your word. Do what you say you're going to do. Be consistent. Be consistent with putting stuff out there because that those are the qualities and you know this James, cause you do it for a living, but those are the qualities that this is what makes people super fans is that it's not based on that. They like you so much. That's part of it. Maybe they like you. They think you're funny. They, they like the way you deliver things, but it's, you're actually adding value to their life before they give you a penny it makes people so much more likely, which is why I had 350 people in that first thing that I did. But I had been giving quality information and resources away for free for years prior to launching that. And I definitely think that that's a part of my success. And I continue to do it, even though so many people are like, you don't need to do that. I'm like, oh, I know. I don't need to.
0: (laughs) I I think that we're we struggle with, and I'll say therapists, but I mean, you know, massage therapists, chiropractors, like just people helping people. I think that part of it is because we get conditioned a certain way when we, when we get trained and we get put into this way of thinking about what we're doing. But, and, and you might disagree with me on this, but my opinion is that people don't know what they should be doing to get what they want. Cause if they did, they'd be doing it. And if they know what they're doing and they're not doing it, have got even bigger problems, and so it's kind of like my job as a as a as a health professional is to help people. My job as a marketer is to get people to want to help themselves, so that I can then help them as as the health professional. So, m- good marketing is going to manipulate people. You know, air quotes for those who are listening and not watching this you're what you're really doing is you're guiding that person to be able to make a decision or be in the mental emotional or logical place to be able to make a decision to benefit them if a person mm-hmm. is morbidly obese and is and is likely on a trajectory to, to suffer and die and therefore it affects their family and etc cetera, etc cetera, my imperative is to help this person to understand and make decisions that will benefit them even if they can't see that right now because if they, if they knew it, then they wouldn't be doing it. And if they know it and are not doing it, they got bigger problems. So therefore, they're not in the right place to be able to get that change for themselves. So I have to help them get to that place. So for me, like the biggest thing and, and a huge part of what I teach my clients is how we retain our clients is extremely important because you can't just give them a recommendation and, and then let them make the rest of the decisions because they're not going to make the right choices. They're going to base it based on I feel better now, so therefore I don't want to spend more money. But mm-hmm. feeling nice today is not an indicator that the problem's fixed or that it's not going to return or that you, know, you haven't changed the, the systematic issues. So mm-hmm. for me, marketing and, and, and sales and all of that, they were once dirty words, and I think that they are for a lot of us because of what we perceive that to mean. It's like selling mm-hmm. for me is, is it, the, the context is I'm trying to get you to buy something that you don't need. Maybe you do need it. You just don't know that you need it because no one marketed to you effectively to help you Mm -hmm. need it. Now, of course, you can do that the wrong way. Like no one needs an iPad, but Apple's really good at selling them. But when it comes to healthcare, I think that we need to help people to to know they need stuff because they're not going to do it themselves. Because here's the thing, you and I both do this. There's information everywhere. Like if I'm a nutritionist or if I'm a, I'll give you a a personal example, right? Being a, a psychotherapist, I can read textbooks I can YouTube things, you know, but that's not going to necessarily get me an outcome. So there has to be something that it all goes into because some people Mm. will get results, but lots won't. And that's where your programs are for. So for me, good marketing allows you to actually have conversations with people that would allow them to make actions that then get them a result. Because if they knew, then they'd be doing it. And if they know and they're not doing it, then they've got bigger problems. And that's what it comes back to for me.
1: Yeah. I mean, because I'm a psychotherapist, I probably have a different view of that than you do, where if they know when they're not doing it, then there's some resistance. And there can be a way, and and I do it in some of my marketing, to to, uh, lower the resistance. Sometimes people feel overwhelmed. They feel like it's too late. I've had too many decades of my life being screwed up, like there's no way I can do it now. So I try to dispel or speak to some of that resistance and people are afraid, especially with psychological stuff, people are afraid to change and they're afraid to lose. And they're afraid if they change, you know, listen, fear of change is just a natural human um, state of mind, right? Think about back in the day, you know, when you could have a saber toothed tiger, if you, if you change positions or locations, you could be more vulnerable. It's just the way our brains are wired. And so I, I do a lot of research and understanding about how to help people change their minds about change and about what's possible for them. I also think people have free, free will, you know, and I think the obesity example, it's not, exa- it's not the best one, I know what you're saying, only because then you have people who know it, who do it, and still don't get results because there is so much in the obesity world where, I don't know, I had a close friend who had that experience where did everything, did the, the stomach things, all of it. And it was something that ran in her family. It was like she was barely eating and still couldn't lose weight. So I just say that only because I don't want people who have had that experience to be like, James, you don't know. Um, but I think that you're right. I mean, our job is to create the funnels, create the pathway for someone who's like, hey, I want to change. And I'm like, okay, I have one pathway. There are many pathways for people to do what it is that I help them do. I can only say the pathway that I know, right? And I say to people, listen, what's gonna make something, what's gonna make your life or your situation different one year, five year, 10 years from now, if you don't do something different today? And the answer is probably nothing. So it doesn't have to be what I'm doing, but it's got to be something. Like continue this education in some way because spontaneous change, especially when it comes to psychological stuff, is like super unlikely, you know?
0: 100%. And, and I see that in, in you know, the, the clients that I work with in, in practice. I see that with clients that I work with in my programs. I think that applies in, in, a, in a lot of contexts. We, we look for uh, spontaneous change as if somebody or something is going to come and change us and until we accept that we are the driver of that change and we need to be on that, on that path, and maybe we don't know how, like I'm a big believer in, in, in knowing what you want to achieve and having strong enough reasons to get it will then make you get out of bed and go and do some stuff, and along the mm-hmm. way you'll figure it out. I think that too many of us rely on knowing how, and I think that, again, if we knew how, uh, we'd probably be doing it. So saying, well, I don't know how and therefore I'm not going to do anything – I think holds a, a lot of people back, and you talked about this at the start, right? You had this this purpose. Um, you, you wanted to 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 help people. What I think you said was interesting is that it's not about me; it's about them. I think that what we can also take from this, in my opinion, is it's not about me; it's about them. But it has to be it has to become about me, so that it be- can become about them, <laughs> in terms of marketing and getting my voice out there. Because yeah. if it's not about me and I stay quiet, how many people? Could have been helped had I got over that, made it about me, went on the TV shows, wrote the book, did the videos yep. to allow people to, you know, hear my voice, see my face, enter my world, and uh, then begin to make things happen for themselves. And that comes from knowing that purpose, right? What do I want to achieve? I want to help people. Well, how am I going to have to do that? I'm going to have to go out there and do some things, do some marketing, do some sales, et cetera.
1: And be vulnerable. Mm and tell the truth about my own journey because some people present themselves as experts you know and I am an expert without a doubt but I am a fellow traveler right i'm i'm a seeker as well and so a lot of what i'm teaching from is yes decades of experience with clients and all the expertise i have but really what what is my driving force is my experiences that I went through things that I believe that I went through them, hopefully I can help others shorten their time in that purgatory, or maybe they can avoid it altogether. Right. So, you know, Deepak Chopra said to me years ago, you know, it's if you can, if you went through something that's hard and you can share something that would lessen the suffering of another, sharing it, you know, he he was being funny and said, you know, puts karma in your karma bank. But I, it always stuck with me about someone could learn from my mistakes. And I learned from other people's mistakes. I had an incredibly generous woman. I stopped drinking when I was uh, in, actually, my last three months of college, believe it or not, like the worst time in the world to stop drinking. But I was like, well, if I could stop now, I guess I can stop forever. And I went to, my therapist made me go to an AA meeting or she was going to stop seeing me. And I was like, "What are you breaking up with me? What's going on right now?" And she was like, "You have what you're describing is alcoholic behavior. I need you to attend a 12-step program meeting." I was like, "Okay," so I went to a basement in Sayos at Long Island um, for a meeting, as we do. And I was sitting like right by the door. Keep in mind, it was the late 80s, people. So of course, I was smoking my Parliament 100s, trying to be considerate, sitting by the door, and I, you know. Again, the 80s, so you can imagine how much makeup my hair. I can't even, I don't, God, I'm so glad there's no pictures of that point in my life. But a similarly shellacked woman about 10 years older than me came over. I thought she was so pretty. She had like nails out to here, huge hair. I was like, wow, nice. And she was like, oh, you know, are you new? And I was like, yeah, like, I didn't know. I also sat by the door because I was like, is this a cult? Like, what's the deal? And she said, oh, um, what brings you here? And I basically had like, I I had no real bottom story other than like my therapist made me. I mean, what do you say? So I said that. I was like, oh, my therapist thought I should or that she wouldn't see me anymore. She was like, oh, okay. And now I don't know the protocol. So I just nicely say, oh, so what brought you here? And she just straight to my face said, "Um, I killed a six-year-old boy in a drunk driving accident. And I was like, I think I'm going to have a nervous breakdown right now. Um, I managed to hold it together. But all I could think was how easily that could have been me. And I got out of that meeting, managed to not cry until I got into my car, and then I was bawling my face off. And I was so relieved and traumatized that, that she had to live with that. It was just so painful. But I was so struck by her generosity Like, she was like an angel, and without a doubt, changed the course of my life. On the way back to my college campus, I was like, hello, powers that be, God, universe, whomever. I get it. It does not have to be me, and I am so effing grateful that it's not me, that I don't need to drink. Like, I don't don't need this. I don't want this. And that, of course, changed the course of my life. And so I think about that Deepak thing where... That woman shared that with me. Yes, it was putting karma in her karma bank, but her generosity changed my life. And I was very inspired to pay that forward in the work that I do.
0: It's it's often, you know, easy to learn from your own mistakes. If you've got a, if there's a hot you know, pan and you touch it and you get burned, you think I'm not gonna touch pans anymore and I've learned some stuff. But I think that successful people in, in any area, however you define it, have learned from others' mistakes so that you can condense that. That's what books are good for, podcasts are good for, programs are good for, is you, you want to look for how do I want to be, what do I want to achieve in whatever area, yeah. and go, who should I go and listen to? And a, a mentor of mine said, and, and I'd, I'd love to, to, to see your face when I say this, they said to me, you know, if you, you don't ask your multi-divorced friend for advice on relationships <laughs> because they probably don't have good advice unless they're now happy and have figured some stuff out because they're yep. they're doing well. You don't ask your broke friend who, who makes all the wrong investment decisions about how to invest because unless they've now figured it out because you, you're going to get the wrong advice and too many of us listen to our friends, families and neighbors, I think Napoleon Hill said, and and, and prevent ourselves from, from getting success that way. I have a question about that that story you told. How much, do you think the realness of it, the rawness of it became a motivator that allowed you to actually accept the information that was being said and therefore implement it? Because I think that a lot of us, we know that. Oh, drink and drive, you can kill people. How much of it was that that pain, that realness of, of the pain that it, you didn't have to do it, but you almost felt it as if you had, yep. that gave you the proper push to shift? And how can we maybe use some of that when we – we we listen to these stories and don't really take them on properly emotionally.
1: I think that there was something very dramatic, even though she didn't say it dramatically, but it was dramatic for me because I had just had the conversation a few days before with the therapist who had said I needed to go to a meeting. And I remember leaving her office and I just felt weirdly relieved. So it didn't come as like some surprise. Um, I'd been drinking a lot since I was like 12, like, I knew, even though I was defensive when she first said it, there was a part of me that was like, oh, thank God that cat's out of the bag. Now we can deal with it. You know, now I will deal with it because this person was intuitive enough and made it important. She was willing to say, and if you don't do this, I will terminate working with you. And I was like, holy crap. Like she is not playing. This is, she thinks this is serious and down deep, I knew it was too, you know? So anyone back to the question is think about, I so agree with you. It's so, it's so funny, James. There's so much of what we, we teach and do that is so very aligned where there is always someone doing what it is that you want to do, even though they're not you and they're not going to do it your way. So find those people, support those people, go online. If you wanna have a successful virtual business, who's doing it the best? Who's doing it in a way that you don't like? I have so many well-known people. I I follow all of these lesser known people to a degree whose work that I think they're original thinkers. I love what they're saying. I never thought about it that way. They're, oh, I just get the vibe. Like they're true to their their own journey, their own path, but they're adding value. Love that. Then there's these people who lots of other people are like, they're amazing. They're great. And I'm like, nope, they're not. They're recycling crap. I know what where that's from originally. That's not you. Why are you presenting someone else's work as your own or doing that and then at the bottom being like original work by this person? You know what I mean? I'm like, if you are sharing someone else's work, you should be amplifying the crap out of that. For at the top, if I, I do it as a spotlight, like I love this insightful blah, blah, blah from this person, I don't know. There's something about just being true, right? Just just being truthful. Just maybe you're not an original thinker and, and you are recycling a bunch of crap and good for you. You're an amazing marketer, you know, but that doesn't speak to me. So I think that each person who says, I would like to bring my stuff online, or I'm trying to do more of this work, take the time to see what other leaders and less leaders, right, people maybe not as well known as the big leaders are doing, and follow them, and support them, and react to what they're putting out there. You can get into conversation with those people, you, your mind would be blown. We know, it doesn't matter. Now I have a lot of people following me, but I didn't always, of course. I know the people who've been here from the beginning. Like I remember who's who, and I appreciate that. I'm not suddenly changing the way that I am in the world because I have a book out or because I, you know, people who didn't know me now do. So if you're like, hey, I like the way this person is doing it, you can pursue them, you can write to them, and I just had people write to me today. And it's funny, normally I'm not encouraging people to do this because normally I don't have time. But they wrote, it was a couple, they wrote such a nice thing about they're trying to bring their stuff on. And like, my team is like, you don't have time. I was like, but I'm going to make time. I'm just going to do a video and send it to them. They're like, okay, whatever. Now that's me. That's my personality. I do it if I can, not for everyone, but some, something that resonates as true Like, I want people out there doing this work who are good, like good. You're doing it for what I consider the right reasons if you say that you're doing it to help others, right? So anyway, again, long way around the barn to get back to. Follow people whose work you like, people who you think you respect. Because I created something new for myself. You know, James, In people are like, you have to do it this way. And there's not been one thing in my life honestly, that I've ever done the way that any other mother ever said I had to do it that way because I know myself, just because that person didn't figure out a way to do this thing the way that I wanted to do it, right? I wanted to, how can I be an online business and stay in my own integrity? How can I not align with, you know, people like you have to take, how are you going to afford to not take ads on your podcast? I'm going to just do it. I'm going to do it myself. My team will do it. Like, you can do whatever it is that you want to do. And a lot of times I feel like there were people I knew who were sort of justifying just taking any advertising from anyone. I'm like, listen, I'm not judging you, man. I'm really not. I I just can't do that. I cannot because I'm a psychotherapist. And my word is the most important thing that I have. So I must not overpromise. I must do what I say I'm going to do just like I do in my therapy practice, you know? Um, and you don't have to make them. And back to your point, James, people listening, you don't have to make the mistakes that I made and you don't have to make the mistakes that other people made. And many of us have written books about the mistakes that we've made. You can learn how to do it. I took a really long time because I was so focused on content that I didn't put the importance on marketing. Partly because I didn't know how to do it. Partly because I thought it was bad and meant that I was going to have to sell out in some way. But if I can give you one thing is to don't make that mistake that I made. That you there is a way for you to market, which is basically what James is all about, within your own integrity. And you have to do that. If you're not building your list, I, I had someone who just had a book come out brilliant leader in her field. And I was like, dude, are you capturing people's emails? Do you even have an opt-in? And she's like, I have a splash page. I was like, but you have no opt-in. So every person who is coming to that page, who are people who are coming there because they like you, offer to give them something for free so that they have to opt-in and give you to, and get on your list. It's such I was like, it's such a waste of, all the damn work that you've done. Because these people want to be a, people can leave your list at any point, right? If someone, and when I say your list, I just mean your email list. When you're sending out information to tell people, oh, I'm doing this other free thing, or I have a book that I'm selling. You know, and then you get into how do you actually have marketing funnels? And, you know, that that's Later, once you've actually built your list, but those are important things too, and I waited way too long to do those as well. So, if I can encourage you to do anything is to simultaneously focus on content and the things you want to teach and the things you want to bring and the services that you're doing, and marketing. So listen to James because he knows what he's talking about.
0: hundred percent. you've you've got to you've got to be clear on what what you're wanting to achieve. With it, then build a machine and then feed that machine. Yes. I did it the other way. I built a program that got a result, and then I marketed the crap out of it, and then that allowed <laughs> me to create resources that I could invest into other stuff. And right. and for me, it's you've you've got to have you've got to have the thing producing resources so that you can use the resources to then go and help people. There's no way that you could be where you are without being able to make money and then have the space and time and team to be able to then go and create all the free content. And a lot of people start with that. And so when people that the, the point I wanted to bring this back to, is, you said, you know, you've got friends and they're making content and they're saying, you know, you've got to take sponsorship, et cetera. I never even considered that with my show because I'm not an influencer who now needs to sell attention that I'm collecting with my with my content. I actually have value to give and I'm just giving the value and then feeding it back to the machine, which is the thing that then delivers it. In a way that's easier and in a way that's convenient and is purposefully designed, which is what you have. That program is, yep. is they could probably find that stuff in your content, but it'd take them hours or they just pay you <laughs> however much and then just get it and get coaching and actually right. do it and get a result. You know what I mean? Um, yep. uh, I think that you said so many good points. You talked about truth and just being truthful. I think that when you're being truthful, it gets easy. The game gets easy when you're just being truthful being truthful. More so, I think, to yourself, you're just saying it how it is. You just talk about it. Like we had this chat and I, at the start, I said, whenever I bring somebody on, I see their background and I go, man, I need to make my background better. Like now everyone's going to notice how crappy my background is. But <laughs> I, I look at it and I'm like, I, I need that. But it never gets high enough up the list. And I'm just being truthful. I'm not holding back and going, oh, well, I can't launch because, you know, I don't have this, I don't have that. I just do it because I notice uh, I know that the information is what matters and me just being authentic with it is, is what matters. I got sick kids. I said that to you at the start as well. I had to scrape some boogers off my shirt because my baby was <laughs> crying. And, and it's like that's just how it is. I'm not going to go freak out and go, I've got to cancel this and it's not perfect because the truth yeah. is there's value and I'm being truthful. And if you don't like my face, that you're not going to like it no matter what. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't matter what lighting I have, what, whatever. So right. <laughs> the, 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 the more you just be truthful with it, uh, the easier it gets. And you're focused on abundance, not scarcity. You are helping others to do the thing that maybe you're doing because there's an abundance and there will always be an abundance. And the mere fact of doing that encourages the abundance. Because if you have the mindset of scarcity and you can't help that person, then you're going to be looking at all the problems from scarcity and therefore you won't find the solutions. And it's kind of very circular. Real quick, back to your point with the the therapist, and I'd love this to be our our pivot into your book as well. Um, Sure. You're talking about boundaries. And what I heard from that was they set a boundary and said, I'm not going to work with you unless you do X. Can you break that down a little bit? Because what I see is as health professionals, we get stuck in this feeling of like, we can't make that boundary with this client that we're enabling because we're not actually setting up this thing of like, no, I'm only going to continue if you actually do it properly. And we end up kind of half-assing it and it's not helping the client, but we feel like, well, I'm a health professional, so I have to keep you know, whatever. can you can we talk about that a little bit as to to how you maybe see that now, looking back uh, and how it helped you, but also how the therapist was able to do that and then lead into your book? That'd be amazing.
1: I think that we have to have, you know I, I had like different rules of like who was I going to work with and how was I going to work with them? So one of the stories in the book, actually, the last story in the book is about someone who came to me who seemed, she just had it together. Like She floated in my office. She was gorgeous, still is, looked like an angel, had long blonde hair, big blue eyes, and was just like, knew everything. Talking about her family of origin. Mother was like a narcissist. Father was kind of like just abused by the mother and not very helpful to the kids, blah, blah, blah. I was like, she's definitely had a lot of therapy. Like, what is she doing here? And I said, so this brings us, we only have 10 minutes left in the session. Why Why now? And why me? And what, what are you doing here? <laughs> kind of. And she said, I failed to mention that I'm in a terribly abusive relationship right now. And I was like, okay, well, could have started that at the top, but here we go. And I just said to her, listen, she told me what was happening. And it was terrible. And I said to her, you know, there are many therapists in New York who would be super psyched to take your money while you decide if you want to leave this guy for the next year or whatever. I'm definitely not one of them. If you are ready to go, I am your gal. Like I'm, I'm your person. And she's like, I'm ready. I'm like, bring it, go time. So for me, I, now some, some therapists would be like, what's wrong with you? You should work with them anyway. I, I can act. That is, that is my choice not to. It's too painful the same way I don't work with perpetrators. Some people do. That's a specialty. That's not me. They deserve help. Something happened to them. That's why they became a perpetrator. But I'm not the right person to help them. And I know that. So I think that having healthy boundaries within your relationship is knowing what is your preference, what is your what is your desire, what are your, your um, limits, and what are your deal breakers. And that's how I identify your boundaries. Preferences, desires, limits, and deal breakers. And I have a right as a professional... To say what those things are for me, other therapists would be like, "That's wrong." I don't care. Then, then you can take anyone who comes in. I don't. I don't think that that's true, and I think that we we have to know those things though, because I wouldn't be a good therapist for a perpetrator. I wouldn't be a good therapist for someone who was actively in an abusive relationship for two years while they were coming in and talking to me each week, and it's too traumatizing for me, which I would have to know about myself. So. But that brings us into boundaries. Why boundaries? Why now? Why does nobody know what it is? <laughs> Why is it so confusing? I mean, do you find it confusing, James? Boundaries, the whole notion?
0: I think that where I'm at now, I have more of an awareness because I, I so didn't have boundaries. And as a child, how things were and not like, you know, a abuse, abuse, but there's thinking about things, learning about things. I'm starting to realize some things and going, there is like, especially having kids now, I'm like, there are some subtle boundary things and things going on that you can really mess a kid up without actually being, you know, an abuser. And I realized for myself and seeing my relationships and going, yeah, a lot of it and researching you and coming to this, I'm like, man, there's some boundary issues that I think I'm having awareness of and have definitely moved through. But I think so many of us, we, we miss that because it's not something's obvious and some things are not and I think it's the subtle things for me anyway that were the most impactful mm-hmm. around boundaries yeah
1: i think that we, most of us were not taught about boundaries and women in particular we really were raised and praised for being self-abandoning codependent like that's a fact so go along to get along you know if you don't have anything nice to say don't say anything at all turn that frown around where's my happy girl i could keep going i won't you get the point so we learned most of us that we should be happy because it makes other people comfortable. Mm. It doesn't really matter how you actually feel, right? And oh my God, you're walking on the street and some guy's like, smile for me. I'm like, I might just punch you in the face. Like that's possible, that, that could be coming down the pipe. Po- why? I think that we're, we're from the beginning, especially women, we, we not only don't know, cause nobody taught us, we start at a deficit because we got corrupted information about what it means to have good boundaries. It means you're mean, you're bitchy, you're selfish, you're full of yourself, you're well, you're a drama queen. You're, there's so many that I've heard over the past 25 years, but it doesn't mean that. And the importance of knowing your preferences, your desires, your limits, and your deal breakers, and having the ability to communicate them. What we're really talking about is that's who you are. Those things, when you think about them as a collective, that's who you are. And so when you say yes, when you want to say no, because you have the people-pleasing syndrome, because you're worried about what other people are going to think if you say no, not only, I mean, all of these things we do under the guise of being nice. But when I say it like that, does it sound like it's nice to say yes when you really want to say no? Not only not nice, dishonest, And misleads the people in our lives. And the biggest tragedy of going around with disordered boundaries is that the people who you want to be the closest to, right, you're literally not letting them authentically know you. So how can anyone ever really deeply authentically love you if you never let them authentically know you? Mm -hmm. So there's a lot at stake for having an entire life built on disordered boundaries and communication and knowing yourself is really the foundation so the way that I teach it in the book is we just start with you because it all begins and ends with you no matter what anyone else is doing you knowing yourself just taking an inventory right now of like each relationship in my life what is okay and what is not okay right now What is working? Where do I feel resentful? Where do I feel unseen? Where do I feel unappreciated? What do I need to do to change those things? And when we're honest, we're so afraid that people are gonna reject us or not agree, being honest, talking true, as I call it in the subtitle of the book, this is allowing people the privilege of knowing who you are. If you're working, let's let's bring boundaries into the work situation. I remember I had, I was in my internship for becoming a psychotherapist and I had a uh, boss who I just like hated this guy. Just, I was just couldn't stand him. And it would go into my therapist and be like, he's so mean. He's so judgmental. He's such a jerk. He's so this, he's just all the so's. He was so many things that I barely interacted with him. And she was like, let me ask you something. If I had to say like, describe this guy who, who, what is, what is he like? I was like, Oh, you know, the kind Brooks brother suit wearing, wall street journal reading probably drinks, martinis and golfs, you know, that kind, like just so judgmental. And she was like, um, who does that remind you of? And I was like, Oh my God, you're kidding me. My father. She was like, hello. Yeah. So she went on to help me figure out. So I was having this disordered boundary and this amplified reaction response to this guy because he had this familiarity to my father. And I was like, how could I not have seen that? But wow, I really didn't. And so with boundaries, we also wanna be clear about what are, what with our resentments, right? I give you this this, um, tool in the book called The Three Cues for Clarity, which is basically you can ask these questions. And if I had had those questions, I would have figured out that I was having a transference to my boss as if he were my father, where you, you can ask yourself, who does this person remind me of? Where have I felt like this before? And why or how is this behavioral interaction familiar to me? Sometimes you've seen it, like maybe your parents interacted that way or someone else did. Sometimes you might be in it and that clarity. And she's like, listen, the importance, it's not like about him, it's not about your boss. It's about you. You are reacting to him. You're having a transference. So I became my 10 year old self in this guy's presence. And she's like, how is he ever going to know how smart you are? if you avoid him and don't go to the meetings that he's in or like hide in the bathroom, whenever he's in the hallway, like this is, you do not want your 10 year old making decisions for your adult career. And she was so right. And of course, once I realized that thing, I was, I had no more hatred of this guy, no more fear. It was the weirdest thing. Like it was literally in real time. I was like, wow, I can't believe I didn't see that suddenly. Cause she's like, don't you want a job here after you graduate? I was like, I do. And I did get a job at that drug treatment clinic after I graduated once I figured that out. But that's another process that I walk you through in the book is understanding. Sometimes we have disordered boundaries because we have other things like that, having a transference. So the boundary that I was erecting with him was not appropriate for him. That was my 10-year-old self trying to erect that boundary, do the same exact thing I did as a kid, avoid my father leave the room that he comes into, right? It was literally the same exact thing. And so I've really taken these complicated concepts, sort of brought them down to this accessible way so that you can figure out why are you in this situation again, whatever the situation is, because we can't figure out our boundaries unless we know what's really going on, you know? Hundred
0: percent. Look, you've been you've been an incredible guest. I've I've really appreciated you coming on, and I've learned a lot myself. And I know that uh, my listeners have as well. Um, where can uh, we all connect with you more online and see more about your work and, and your book?
1: All right. So what I have for you, though, I have a gift for your listeners, which is going to be about boundaries in business, about how to set proactive boundaries in any kind of business. So you're going to get that at boundaryboss.me forward slash secrets and it's a little video i created and a little downloadable guide that you can fill in to just start to look at your where, where's your boundary baseline right now when it comes to your business um you guys can find me at terry um you can my podcast is um you know everywhere everywhere the podcasts are it's just the terry cole show i hang out most on instagram and i'm just at terry cole and you can get the book at boundarybossbook.com amazing thank you so much i really appreciate you Same here. Thanks so much, James. Let's do it again sometime.
0: Thank you for listening to today's episode. Everything shared will be in the description of the episode, so you can go and grab that. Now, if you enjoyed the show and you want to listen to more, please subscribe because every week we're releasing new episodes with inspiring people, successful people, so you can level up your game. So subscribe and also leave us a review. We'd love to hear feedback about the show and your thoughts and opinions there as well. Now, if you want to have more success, whether it's in your life, whether it's in your business, we run live trainings every single week where you can get access to me to coach you through everything from health, wealth, success, business. We're doing topics on all things that you need to live a better, more inspired and successful life. Live trainings every single week. Just visit jamesnielsonwatt.com forward slash live and you can get access to that. Now, there's also a ton of resources that you get for just listening to the show. All of that will be in the description. So if you're watching this on YouTube, check the description. If you're listening to this episode, check the description. We've got a load of resources there for you to have more success in your life, whether it's relationships, investing, or in business. I'll see you on the next episode. And as always, subscribe, leave a review, and tell your friends because there's somebody else that needs to be hearing this and maybe you're their opportunity to help them level up their game.